how can I possibly give an introduction to this right now? I know. Literally, I've known you longer than anyone else that I've known. <laughs> My day one best friend, Gabby Baldassar. Welcome to the podcast. Yay. I really just wanted to kick off this series on sports and mental health. I think this is so important to talk about, especially now looking at girls that are playing right now at the high school level, wanting to play at the next level into college and just excited to to talk with you here in this space. Yeah. Thanks, Ash. I'm so excited to be on the podcast so thank you but yeah this is definitely this is a hot topic right now obviously with everything that's been going on there's been a lot of athlete deaths by suicide in the last really like year two years but I think it's really really getting a lot of attention especially on social media now so it's super important I have the point of view from being an athlete And then now as a coach, like, you know, I've been coaching for the last two years, now stepping into a head coach role. It's something that I really want to be at the forefront of our program at Pine Richland. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. It's hard to talk about. We tell our girls that all the time. It's hard to talk about. It's uncomfortable, but the more you do it, not the easier it becomes, but the more natural and comfortable you get with it. So I think it's really important to start the conversation so that you, you never know who it could be opening the doors for to speak up. So I'm really excited. Sorry, I rambled. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> for sure. And I think just like you said there, I think it's just creating the space, I think, to have these conversations where you're not afraid to talk about it, right? Where it's just like, hey, I'm experiencing this thing right now, or maybe I'm not 100% to show up to, to practice because of something that I'm dealing with personally, I think before, and maybe you could speak to this as well, just through your own experience, where if you are going through something, you push that aside and you still show up. And a lot of times, right, sport, I know for me, basketball was was such an outlet, but at the mm-hmm. same time, things that were happening in the background, they didn't go away. So yeah. c- can we create a space within sport, within teams that we can just talk about it? Like, even if we're not 100% on our mental game, it's going to affect the physical game. So I think that's really important. And I love how you're going to be bringing that into the culture, you know, in your new position. Yeah. And I think that you brought up a really good point and I'm sure we'll get more into this, but you brought up a really good point with everybody goes through stuff. Like you're never going to meet somebody who isn't dealing with something. That's the reality of it. Maybe sometimes, you know, you're dealing with something and it 80% sucks. And other times it 10% sucks. So life is good for the most part. But when whatever sport you play stops becoming an outlet and starts becoming a stressor, and a part of that equation of your stress and your anxiety or however it is that you're feeling, that's really a major problem. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll probably talk about performance anxiety and all of that. But Yeah, that's something that, you know, we talked to the girls at at Moon about and that I really want to talk to the girls at Pine Ridgeland about like, yes, we are going to compete. Yes, we are going to work hard. Yes, we want to win. But at the end of the day, it's a game like you should not be dreading coming to practice. You should not leave practice feeling like, oh, my gosh, I never want to go back again. Like this should be your time where you step out of your mind and you step out of everything else that's going on. And you can just be free. That's what basketball has been for me. And that's why I love it so much. No matter what's going on, basketball has always been a constant for me. And I really just want 
you know, the kids that I coach to have that same experience. So we can talk yeah. more. But no, yeah. I, that's a, that's a great point because I think it is kind of twofold, right? Where it's like basketball was such an outlet for me, which is great when it can be that for people. That's amazing. But I think one, when you feel like there's things happening on the outside that you don't know what to do with, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when that can kind of translate then into sport and then two, it's the performance anxiety. It's the performance pressure that comes with playing sport. And I really want to talk about in high school, playing in AAU, going to showcase tournaments, going to get recruited. And this isn't true for everybody. Not everybody wants to go and continue on to the next level, which is totally okay. But I really want to talk about the experience for those who do, who are taking it more serious in the way, or maybe there's pressure from family or from outside peers, or even then yourself of like, I want to go do this thing, or you start comparing to other people. And then you're playing in the AAU circuit, right? And you're starting to go to showcases where there's college coaches there, your friends are getting recruited, they're getting calls, all of this can mess with you. Like, this is why I want to have these conversations with people like you and, and our other friends, of course, that we know that have played. How can we be a voice for those that are going through that right now to, to help them go through that if they're trying to play at the next level? Yeah. So, so we both played Bruins. I don't know for people who don't know, it's one of the top AAU organizations for girls basketball, pretty much in the whole nation. Like, I don't know the exact recruiting rate numbers, but it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty Um, intense. (laughs) intense. Yeah. So you brought up a good point. There's a lot of AAU programs that are just so that kids can keep playing in the off season. Maybe you're a one sport kid, but you don't want to play in college. You just want to keep playing year round. But Bruins was, and, and is even more so now, highly competitive and the point is to get recruited. And they want to put players in, in D1 programs. So 100%. And then you're coming into this space as a, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old, and you have hundreds of college coaches and you're playing against the top players, best of the, best. the best of the best. And like, as a young person, like that's a lot, you know, and then you, you, you put all of that on yourself. Like if I don't show up, if I don't play well, I'm not going to get seen. If I don't get seen, I'm not going to get this. If I'm not going to get this, then I'm not going to go play here. And if I'm not going to go play at this school, then what was I just doing all this for? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a snowball effect of stress at that point. I remember walking into an AAU tournament in Philly and like literally bumping it, like physically bumping into Gino Ariema. And I was like, Oh my God. She, and he was sitting next to Sylvia Hatchell, who at the time was UNC's head coach. And I loved UNC. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I got to turn up because she's here. But yeah. So I'll talk about my experience a little bit. So I played on a team with a lot of talented kids. Everybody was talented. Everybody was good. Madison Cable ended up going to Notre Dame, playing for five years there, actually under Muffet McGraw. I think she played like at least in the, in the Elite Eight all, all of those years, maybe the Final Four in all, all five of those years. So that just tells you the type of attention she was attracting and the amount of people that would be at our games. And like you said, I mean, it would be like halftime of the game before us and coaches would be fighting for seats. It's a hard thing because with, with a team like the Bruins, you are, you're the best on your team. And then Maddie is the best on her team. And then Alexa Hayward was the best on her team and so on and so forth. Yeah. So It's like, wow, you really are surrounded by great players. And that can go like 
you know, one of two ways, like you can, you can be like, oh my gosh, this is so much, this is so stressful, or you can flourish because the better people you play with, the better you're going to, you're going to be, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of pressure and everybody you play against was the best on their team. And that's the same thing when it gets, when you get to college, like it's a lot, it gets very, very competitive. So it's just a lot of feelings when you're 15 and 16 years old. Yeah. A lot is on the line in the way of to play at the next level means this for me and all of these implications. And so just playing AAU and going through that process and then taking that into, let's say like yourself, right? You got a full scholarship to go and play division one at Niagara university. So now you're there and you're playing and that's a whole new world, yeah. right? Because then it's, it's school, you're on scholarship. So talk about that and also how scholarship works for anyone who, who may not understand you're on a scholarship, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's locked in for four years, right? So yes, if you're on a full ride, I can only speak to, to that scholarship experience. I don't know how D2 and three work, but yeah. yeah. So when you're on a full ride, literally everything is paid for and it does not depend on like how many points you score a game or anything like that. What it does depend on is your grades and things like that, like how you're acting. Obviously, your athletic performance does play into it, but your grades are what keep you eligible for a scholarship. So when when they say you're a student athlete, you truly are a student before you're an athlete. And your coaches at any level, especially in college, should be supportive of that. The fact that, you know, school does always come first because that is what keeps you eligible and that is what earns you and keeps you that scholarship. And yeah, like you said, like that's to be, I think, most people go through all four years just thinking, yep, it's just a guaranteed thing. It's not. And if something happens and you break, you know, school rules or team rules or anything against a handbook or anything like that, that can be taken away from you quicker than you could say scholarship. So it's definitely something that you have to earn it and you have to maintain it. And it's not just about your performance on the court or the field or whatever it is in whatever sport you play just to go off of that if you could just dive into a little bit how you manage that then knowing I am a student first but at the same time I have two a days here I'm you know your, your schedule is very rigorous and you have to be very very disciplined you're traveling a lot going to different cities hopping on planes buses all of that kind of stuff so coming into that you know what's your mental approach and how you manage some of the stressors and, and pressure in that way yeah, so freshman year will hit you like an 18-wheeler, your freshman year and your freshman season. Um, the best thing that ever happened to me was summer school. So it is in place for a reason. That transition from high school to college is hard. And summer school makes it a little bit smoother. You get a taste of here's what college classes are like. Here's what practices are like. And I think, too, like the the biggest things for me were time management and using my resources. And I'll talk about what I mean by that. But in high school, you're used to go, you get up at, you know, 6am, you're at school at like 715 and you are there until the bell rings at like 230. And then you're probably right to practice or your game or whatever. In college, you might get up for like 5am weights and then you go eat and then you have, you know, 8am conditioning and then you have a 930 class and then you have a 10am individual and then, like you have to be organized. If you are not an organized person, 
you really have to figure out how to get organized because you're not just sitting in the same building for seven hours during the day. There's a lot of places you're responsible for being on time and what on time means in the college program is like half an hour early, really like you're taped, you're ready to go game speed. But I just, yeah, like making use of, of your time and just knowing where you're supposed to be. And it's okay to ask for help, like in any sense, but especially in your freshman year, it's hard. Like, it's just hard. It's a big adjustment. It's so different. You don't have your parents getting you to practice or telling you where to be. You really turn into an adult overnight when you go play a division one sport. Like it's, it's just really different. Yeah. Kind of want to go back to what you just said about just asking for help. And like you said, freshman year is extremely challenging. Yeah. Was there any point in time where you felt like, okay, maybe this is just not it? Yeah. So definitely. And that might come as like as a shock to people who know me because basketball is like by far like my favorite thing. So I think it would be surprising to people to hear me say there were a majority of my freshman year I spent feeling like that. Um, I came off of an injury. I had shoulder surgery, which injuries are a really, really hard thing to navigate mentally, especially when you're young. But yeah, a lot of my freshman year I spent feeling that way. I came back too soon. I was behind the eight ball. Everybody was ahead of me. It was overwhelming with school. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Basketball was hard. I wasn't playing the minutes I wanted to play. And I think for me, the hardest thing was I went from being one of the best players on my high school team and one of the best players on my AAU team to being on a team full of kids. That's everybody's story. Everybody was this player of the year and won that thing. Like that's who everybody was. And that was so hard for me. And I like, I'm a hard worker. I've always been a hard worker. So it wasn't a work ethic thing. It was just there were people who were better than me and that's just what it came down to. So I, there was a lot of times my freshman year, I remember after one game we played Lehigh and I played like a minute and that was a tough pill for me to swallow. And my parents were there and I remember getting back to the hotel and I was like, I I was like, I was in tears. I couldn't even get the words out. I was like, I don't want to do this. This is not for me. This is not what I thought it would be. Maybe I should just go D2 and like play Maybe I just shouldn't even, I was like, I don't even this, I don't even like basketball right now. And so that was like me. I told my parents, I was like, I need help. Like I, I do not feel good. Like this is not, this is not what it should be. And I was getting sick a lot physically because I was so stressed and upset. And I worked a lot with my parents. There are always resources for athletes. There's always therapy and counselors that are probably on campus that are specifically for athletes. So that's what I started doing. And we started figuring out, you know, just ways for me to work through the anxiety of me going to practice, the anxiety of handling game day and how I would feel embarrassed to be on the bench and like only get in maybe five minutes in the first half and three minutes in the second half. And I think for me, it would have helped for someone to talk to me about my role mm-hmm. because roles, I think now, so when I coach now, I tell these, these kids, I've been in every single role there is to be in. Like I've been the star player where we ran plays for me in high school where I had a score. We sure did. And, and I toss this assist, baby. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> <like>, keep going. <laughs> we had some good chemistry going no, on on the court. You were probably responsible for like 500 of my points. But yeah, I mean, I think roles, understanding your role, I think that can cause a lot of, of mental health struggle for a lot of athletes. Roles can always change but you have to earn your role change. Like just because you play five minutes a game now, then turn around junior year. I wasn't starting the first like two games, but I was playing like 20 minutes a game, kept busting my butt 
earned my way into the starting lineup, was in the starting lineup until, you know, senior day when I graduated or that conference tournament. Like things can always change, but you have to stay the course. And part of staying the course is asking for help when you need it. And nobody would ever expect anybody to be able to navigate something on their own that they is big like that, especially when you're, you're 18, 19. Um, so asking for help and saying, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is for me was the, was the best thing that I could have done. And it was my parents that were like, you gotta, you got my dad specifically, you gotta ask for help. You gotta, you gotta go and talk to somebody. Cause my dad played in college too. And he went through the same things. And then on the day of graduation, and I still tell people this all the time. And they ask like, how was your college experience? I wish I had 10 more years of eligibility. Like mm. you work through the hard part and you ask for help when you need it. And you just have to push through it with the help that you like, you have to ask for help because it will be worth it. It just asking for help. Who knows what would have happened if I didn't. Mm. And if you're performance anxiety, if you're at the high school level or the college level, whatever level you're at, if it is so bad and you've asked for help and it, and you know, it is not for you anymore. At the end of the day, having you here is the most important thing. That's no, that's all kind of to bring it back to, you know, the beginning of the conversation. There's a lot we're hearing of these athletes, right? Taking their own life across multiple sports. It's just heartbreaking. And I think as athletes and going through some of those experiences, of course, we all don't know what each other goes through, but I think that we can, we see each other in it and knowing that people do care you know, and it's, it's, it's hard because how do you start to have those conversations or let's just say, I think that there is, there's value in going to somebody who at least in a friend, right. That you have trust with to even just start a conversation there. Yeah. My response to that is just start where you feel, feel comfortable, start with someone you trust. And I think anybody you reach out to, if they can't help you, they will always point you in the right direction. They will always get in touch with somebody who can help you. So don't feel like you got, if you feel like, oh my gosh, I, I know I need help. I got to start Googling therapists. I got to see what my insurance covers. No, that's the stuff you figure out later. You take that first step by going to somebody that you feel comfortable with sharing this and telling them that. And then you go from there. And again, yeah. like, there is a way, you know what I mean? That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. There's no, uh, 100%. I, yeah, 100%. I love how you said just starting with somebody that you feel comfortable with. Going back to, again, the earlier conversation, we all struggle with something. It looks different on each of us, but it, it comes for all of us. So we're all going through things. And I think, again, you don't need to get into every single detail of everything that's going on, right? But I think to, to be open to the fact that I'm struggling too. You know, I still am. I struggled back then when I was playing basketball and I was going through all the performance and you know what performance pressure shows up in other areas of my life. And so I'm struggling too. And I think the more that somebody else can see that, the more that maybe this, this can allow them as well to maybe say something else. And that's how that ripple effect happens. And that's how I think this conversation stays relevant as it should. And that's how we can really help each other in the process while someone who's really, really going through something is trying to find those first ways to get help, to have the conversations to know that it it is okay. And you're not alone in it. It sounds cliche, but it's not cliche because (laughs) you know, it's, it's really, it's okay. And I think starting there, Gab, you know, this 
more than anyone, because you were with me, I didn't want to go and talk to anybody. I mean, if anyone knew things that were going on with, with me to an extent, it was, it was you. And you helped me through that process to get to a point where you're like, I'm here with you, whatever I need to do to help you. And you know, you encouraged me in that process. And I could not be a bigger advocate for seeking help when you need help in going and talking to somebody. And it, it started with you and I coming together. We had that conversation first. You remember? I remember. Yeah. So and I, that's a really good point. Like the ripple effect you talked about. If you are somebody who, and like the first day that you told me that, or the first day you went to talk to someone, did you ever think you would be like, getting to a point where you could openly talk about the fact that you go to or went to therapy? I, no. <laughs> I was like, is this a trick question? No, <laughs> it's not. No. Like, no, not at all. That's, you're just like proving my point. Like I, I didn't tell anybody on my team that I was seeing a therapist. This was mm-hmm. 10 years ago. I've been going to therapy for, I'm 29 now, 11 years. Like, but yeah, I mean, if you are somebody in a point in your mental health journey that you feel like you can comfortably talk about it, which I think I definitely am talk about it because you've no idea who you're going to reach in that situation, you know, athletes or other women or who knows, like who knows who you're going to reach. And like you said, I think what you were, what you were going for was like being vulnerable, Mm. like just, you know, showing people that it's that like, Hey, I went through this too. We go through the same things. We're both human. And just showing people that like, you're not the only person to be doing something like this or dealing with something like this. And that's not to say your struggles, not that bad. Cause look at his, that's just yeah. saying we all are in it together. 100%. Especially athletes. And it's just so important to me as a head coach that like, I bring this to this program and that kids are just aware that sports are not the end all be all. They can take us great places. I mean, basketball has given me so much, so many amazing people and opportunities, but it is not the end all be all. It doesn't define who I am. Yeah. It's a huge part of who I am, but if you took basketball out of my life, there's still so much to who I am. 100%. Yeah. And it just doesn't need to, it should be a thing that serves you in a positive way and not, it shouldn't add to anything that you go through because like you said, we all go through things. For me, it's like more important to me right now, building a program that my kids feel, you know, safe, physically, mentally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. They feel cared about like things like that, because I just don't think you get anywhere with kids or really anybody in life if they don't feel cared about. Does that make sense? 100%. I love that. And I'm so, so excited (laughs) for you to be in this new role. The impact I know that you've already had in previous roles coaching, I think it's just going to just totally amplify in this new role. And I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. This has been such a good conversation. I feel like we could continue on, but I really appreciate all of just your insight on this and encouragement. And, and I really hope, I mean, my heart behind this and starting this series is that again, to, to keep this as a, an open space and conversation and to really help those who are coming up 
in the same positions that you and I were in 10 years ago and how one to, to recognize that it is hard. There is pressure. Like we went through these things, like we're trying to chase dreams in this way, but like, there's so many challenges that come along with it, but help is there help is available. And the people around you are also going through similar things too. And so I think it's like, it's really important to, you know, to welcome the conversations and kind of take away the stigma. I think that, that there can be. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for having me on because this is something like we said, like, this is like hard to talk about. Like, this is not easy stuff to talk about, but the conversation has to start somewhere. Like it has really been bothering me over the last few weeks, how many athletes are dying by suicide. And, and it like, it's, it honestly, like it, it hits really close to home and it scares me a little. It's like, how mm. easily could that have been me if I didn't reach out for help? Not to be like, Oh, I'm making this about me, but like, yeah, you know, I think but that's it's true. And I think talking with different athletes in this, it's crazy how many people would say the same thing that you're saying. And I yeah. could say it too. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's really real. Like it's really real and it's really important to, yeah. to talk about. It's not easy. Like it's not easy at all. No, but not. And I think too, like a good way to think about it and to break it down for like younger kids, especially is like, if you think about like, okay, if you tore your ACL or you pulled your hamstring or you got a concussion, like things that you can see, the trainer would be like, your ATs would be all over you. Your head coaches mm. would be all over. People would be like, oh my gosh, let's get, let's take care of this. Like, like, let's take care of that. Like let's treat mental health the same way. It's as important, if not more important than your physical health and all these injuries and things like that. Like it just is really important to me to talk about it in a space and give kids like a, a place where they feel like they can talk about it, yeah. whether it's really not and and just checking in you know it's like I think that's what's so important checking in with yourself checking in with each other mm-hmm. and I think that's just in general right athletics for sure but just like in friendships you know yeah. oftentimes you know especially with social media it can be so so deceiving oh, and yeah. so we may think that we see something and someone may may seem to be good based on what they're sharing and posting yeah. When you make that assumption that, oh, they're good. Everything is every, look at this, look what they're sharing, look what they're experiencing. Like to me, that's like, let me check in with that person, you check know, and this, that's so true. What is that saying? It's so true. Check on your happy friends. Or check on your happy. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's to the point that doesn't matter, you know, what we see on the outside. Like there's always something that's, that's happening on the inside. And it's really important to check in on each other in real life, you know, take yeah. it out, take it outside of, social media and check in with each other and not to be like cliche and like whatever but like be just be nice to people because you literally have no idea what what other people are dealing with so just like if someone's having a bad day and they snap at you like just handle things with grace because you just never know what else is going on 